Yo, what's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Strange Road. I'm your host, Mikey, and of course, always riding shotgun, the bro host, Bub. What's happening? Bub, how you doing? I'm good. You good today? I'm you good. excited for this one? I got a lot of, <coughs> excuse me, vitamin D synthesis uh, over the weekend. <laughs> I was out in the sun. So you're ready yesterday. to go. I'm fired up. I'm supercharged. I'm awesome. solar powered. Well, hey, uh, well, of course, today, thank you to Stoner and Disbro making everything look and sound good. We got Absolutely. both the guys in here in studio helping it's us all out skate. today. Yeah. Yeah, we got uh, all hands on deck for <laughs> for this special episode. Um this has been kind of in the works for a little bit and you know just working out all the details, but you know patience uh all things come with with all good things come with patience. So, here we're, we are. We're like everybody else who want <laughs> Excuse me, I have a Cough. We want everything right now, immediately, <laughs> just like anyone else. We we want it now. Sometimes on things got to simmer. But all right, but we also grew up in the generation of you know tape decks and CD players, and we you had know, to rewind. No computers and no digitization. <laughs> yeah, rewinding videos and all that. People, you'll never know, kids. Yeah. But so I think we're a little better about it. That I knew that this was going to happen, but it's still yeah. like you're still like daily. Like when are we going to get this one going? Because yeah, Absolutely. I've been waiting on it. And all you guys at home, uh, if you're not already, follow us. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We have a Facebook group, The Strange Road Hitchhikers. Go check that out. Uh, like, subscribe, follow, share. If you like our content, you know, send it to your friends, your cousins, your your family. Yeah. Get the word out. If Early you enjoy Christmas the show. gift. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Pack uh, it up. Send we it. really, really appreciate the hell out of all you guys. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we can jump right in. Dive in. Because I'm ready. Dive in. Guys, we're going to welcome a special guest who's absolutely been crushing it these past few years. And, uh, you know, the the gentleman that we're going to introduce, uh, we're super, super excited. Uh, we have podcaster, researcher, entrepreneur, and digital creator Jeff Ferran from Strangeology, everybody. Jeff, we're going to welcome Jeff into the show. Heck How you yeah. doing, man? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm up? doing great today. I'm doing great. Uh, just hanging out, um, and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Absolutely. How was your 4th of July, dude? It was great. Um, had some family over yesterday. I uh, fired up the grill, uh, had to get it cleaned out and uh, get some new propane, and we were just nice. grilling like uh, Hank Hill, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you got to get the premium propane. Yeah. No, uh, no fireworks incidents, no, no accidents, anything like that. No, no, we actually didn't have fireworks or any sparklers uh, this year for the kids, but we did hear some neighbors firing some off that sounded, oh, yeah. you know, uh, is someone's hand okay down oh, there? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little you too know? close yeah. to the ground kind of a, a yeah. sound. It happens. We've I stopped, seen it. I stopped a number of years ago of participating of with mortars, holding fireworks, shooting fireworks, <laughs> setting them off anywhere near me. Like, I, I'm almost like the yeah. worst about it now. Like, I, because. I was with my friend's family over the weekend, uh, and we were talking about it. And he said basically the same thing I always say about them. They're weapon. I mean, they're pretty grenades. They're beautiful <laughs> bombs. You know, they'll make be- like they're they're very colorful, but they'll still take an arm off, and they are indiscriminate on that. And I'm like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to be a couple beers deep setting off this thing on the side of the road. Like, I'm good. I, just a PSA announcement. I like fireworks. I'm not against them, but be safe with them. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeff, <laughs> tell sure. us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, where can we find you? Where can everybody check out your stuff? Because like I said, you've been absolutely crushing it. We've been seeing you from afar and, and met you at CryptidCon last yeah. year in 2022 and, and kind of got to hang out a little bit. And by the way, I've worn this shirt a bunch of times. If y'all it's don't know, awesome. this is a Strangeology original uh, that I got from Jeff uh, at CryptidCon. And I uh, got a little Mothman t-shirt for my for my daughter. That's one uh, of my favorite shirts you have. It's rocked all the time. And actually, I got a comment on this shirt <laughs> yeah. yesterday. Really? From Legend and Sarah. <laughs> Uh, was like, hey, what's that uh, that shirt that you had on, on on that Strange Happenings episode? I was like, uh, does it have Bigfoot and a UFO and a Mothman? On? They're like, yeah, that one. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a Strangeology original. It's so like the cryptid, I get comments all the time. On it's like the shirt. cryptid bingo shirt. Oh, Do yeah. you have Sasquatch? <laughs> Do you have Loch Ness and a Mothman? Yeah, yes, Loch bingo. Ness. We forgot about that. Cryptid bingo. Um, but yeah, Jeff, just yeah. you know, let us know where we can uh, where we can find you, and then we can kind of hop in. I'd love to hear more about you, where you're from, and uh, a little bit about how you got here. Absolutely, absolutely. So, strangeology.com is uh, the home base website. Uh, I've got a blog there, and uh, you can find uh, a link to all my my podcast episodes, Strangeology Podcast, uh, which can be heard on any uh, podcasting platform. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel where I post episodes there, as well as uh, video content as well. You can also find me everywhere on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, to a lesser extent. I don't really tweet too much. Uh, but yeah, you can just look up Strangeology and you'll find me. Um, and let's see, what else is there? Uh, I've also got a Etsy shop for Strangeology merch. Uh, I have a background in design, so I create all my own designs. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, Tank tops, long sleeves, enamel pins, stickers, magnets, mugs, all sorts of stuff. Nice. Prints, maps, yeah. So oh. uh, coming from the design background, you know, I, I decided to have like a whole merch line and stuff to help support what I'm doing with Strangeology beyond the content creation. So right. yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a journey uh, so far. I if you want to hear a little bit of the background of how Strangeology got started, yes. it was uh, the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Um, I had been at a job for, gosh, close to 13 years doing graphic design, branding, packaging, all that kind of stuff. Uh, dealt with one of Vermont's, where I'm from, uh, one of the biggest uh companies in the uh in the state doing a lot of their marketing materials and stuff like that wow. for the studio i worked for and it was uh you know things were kind of slowing down with the business when the pandemic hit and a, a few weeks in i got the dreaded phone call and they're oh, like hmm. jeff we gotta let you go <laughs> really and After 13 uh, yeah. years yep wow so wow uh, yeah yeah, it was kind of a perfect storm of things. Um, the owner of the company was relocating, and I think they were trying to downsize a little bit anyway. The original mm -hmm. plan was supposed to be keeping me on hmm. doing uh, remote work, but I think it was just, you know, the perfect storm of like, well, business is kind of like shut down for now. And, uh, <laughs> but you yeah, know what, see you later. but you know yeah. what, those are those moments. Yeah. Uh, another friend of ours looking back, um, it's a great thing, but at right. the time it sucks. You get the you opportunity know? sometimes to do things you would never do. Uh, a friend of ours was in a job. I think he was let go as well or laid off and the potential, but 
you know, he'd been weighing an option of doing that or going and you know, getting this uh, recording certification or, 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 you know, I don't even know what it was, but it's a program of, you know, like 16 weeks and this many hours a day. Like it's a commitment Audio that you're not going to do any other time. You're not going to stop your yep. life to do it. Um, and to throw that monkey wrench into these gears that are keeping everything yeah. nice and smooth and spinning and food in the in the house and, you know, a roof over your head, it's tough to shift that on your own. And I, th- I tend to think sometimes that's just such a stroke of luck for people like yourself and him that it puts you in a position to really flourish. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar yeah, to our it. story a little bit, too. We started yeah. The Strange Road in 2020. Kyle got let go from his job after yeah. seven years. We pulled yeah. together, started the company, started the podcast and, you know, had some bumps in the road. But we're right there with you, man. That opportunity of the pandemic where we used to shoot a lot of concerts and festivals and live events and all that work just went away. Yeah, We had nothing right to up. do like, hey, let's start this podcast. Let's come up with this brand. Let's, you know, we, we just don't sit around. So like, if there's nothing to shoot, we're going to make something, which is like, just like you said, it's that perfect opportunity where you stepped in and made something and shifted quickly. So congratulations yeah. on that it's move, dude. <laughs> it's not yeah, easy. Yeah. 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 No. And it really was kind of like the perfect opportunity because nothing else is going on and strangeology had really humble beginnings right it started off as just like an instagram and Mm -hmm. i was going to start i was bored i was going to start posting about cryptids and ufos and all that kind of stuff um and my my fiance my my partner i have to give big thanks to her because she was like just you know have fun with it do it and then she was like you should turn this into a business and i was like that's a good idea i'm gonna do that so (laughs) (laughs) may May 12th May 12th, 2020, I, I, I registered as an LLC with, with the state of Vermont. And, uh, (laughs) so, uh, yeah. So, and, and early on I had, uh, communicated with another user on Instagram who had a t-shirt business and he was doing a bunch of cryptid themed 40 honest stuff. And I was talking to him and he was like, Oh, you have a, graphic design background why don't you start making designs like with t-shirts and other merchandise and you can have that kind of be like a backbone to what you're doing with content creation and so that's what i put a lot of effort into in 2020 and 2021 and that's kind of like paying the bills now which is amazing that's incredible (laughs) so i can I can spend a lot more time doing podcasting content creation now. Um, and it's it's just been a really interesting journey. Uh, and I feel yeah. pretty blessed that things have kind of, you know, putting the work into it has gotten me to to this point. You know, it's yeah. um, it's it's been a perfect storm of like doing my own thing and and kind of being your own boss is is uh, is awesome. There's you know, there's caveats to it, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to get yourself to actually motivate and do the work or (laughs) that kind of thing. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been great. And um, yeah, it's the thought of doing stuff with cryptids and, and the paranormal and that kind of stuff, the whole brand behind it, if you will, I, I was the kid growing up that would always gravitate towards books about Bigfoot and UFO sightings, these old books from like the 
fifties and sixties and seventies in the school library that I don't know why they were there. Right. <laughs> somebody must have somebody in the in the library department must have liked liked that stuff. I'm not sure, but you know, I was always che- <laughs> checking those books out and keeping them for most of the year, not returning them, uh, and then watching shows like Sightings and In Search of, and you know, later on. By the time high school, college rolled around, you know, you've got UFO hunters and Monster Quest mm-hmm. and and all that kind of stuff. So I've always had this this uh, attraction, if you will, to the strange and the unexplained. So that's kind of where I was like, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to go all in with nice. this. <laughs> I'm just going to get real weird with it because, you know, we're only on this earth for a certain amount of time. Might as well have fun, you know? Well, and you're following your interests and your passion, and it's easier to, you know, care about. You know, you're at a job for 13 years. It's great. You're making amazing. But you're in in the end, you're still making cool stuff for other people. That was kind of our, our mission over the years. Like, man, we shoot all these amazing shows yeah. and all this stuff for clients and, the, and these folks, which it's been an amazing career. But at the end of the day, it's not our content. We're shooting stuff for other people. And so the satis- satis- you know, being satisfied from, hey, we made this. Right. Uh, we've put this out. It, it's just that's what kind of keeps us going also is just like – you know, this is our baby. This is our thing. And, you know, you have that um, with what's going on with Strangeology. So with that passion, you can, you know, you're on the path that you need to be on, Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're on the right road. Yeah. 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 We're on the strange road, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, it's good. <laughs> I feel like if you're going the right way, it is it it is kind of strange because if you're on the the way that you know, that's the comfortable road, that's yeah. the routine road, that's the I know this, that's the I do this, that you know, shifting yourself again, getting out of that job or you know that opportunity when it comes along and it feels jarring. And even another friend of mine, I said I quit my job last year and switched careers, right? And I was like, man, I'm so anxious. I am so daily. I'm just so anxious. And he's like. Are you ang- are you confusing uh, confusing anxiety with excitement? You know those are two very similar feel, feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Your body puts out that adrenaline, uh, epinephrine right response. You know whether you're excited or anxious. So like it's kind of like trying to take your own mind and harness it towards excitement versus anxiety too. And that I think is the the real key when you get to that point when you figure out. I can take all this energy I have that's bubbling out, but I can focus it. And that's what, I yeah. mean, from seeing your work, yeah, I mean, even the design behind you, I know I saw the Flatwoods monster at Crypticon. I saw all of that. It's I mean, great stuff. you're killing it. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it shows, though, too, in the work. It's like a chef that doesn't eat his own food or her own food. You know, if you're not tasting it, if you're, if you don't have an interest in it, it's probably not going to turn out that well. Yeah. You're right. If you don't care yeah. about the end product. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And uh, yeah, it's um, creating content and sharing this stuff with with other people out there. It's just uh, it's a really cool thing. And seeing people's response to it, you know, you you got people who are like, oh, I love this. And then you also get the people who are skeptical or they're like, oh, you're dumb. But (laughs) (laughs) hey, that's all right. They're going home and watching the Kardashians. (laughs) Hey, if, if, if. If you've got haters, that means you made it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I watched the Elvis film, right? And and his uh, manager, 
shows him all the merch the one day and he's got the I love Elvis buttons and I hate Elvis buttons. And he goes, hey, somebody's going to make it anyways. We should make money off of it, right? And it's like, you're right. People are going to love and hate you and you can't do anything about it. So might as well make the most of it and keep doing what you love regardless of what they say. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, Jeff, I know, uh, well, I was going to ask you, you know, is there anything, I know you said you read a lot. Is there any personal experiences or anything that, kind of even more pushed you into this, you know, Bub and I have had a lot of different experiences uh, over the years that kind of keep pushing forward this, this uh, passion for the strange. Yeah. And, you know, you can only read about it so much, but eventually you got to kind of get yourself into it. Is there anything that that's happened to you that you could, would, could share? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I can share a few stories here um, involving the paranormal and also UFOs. Uh, so the uh, the home that I grew up in uh, wasn't an old home. It was built in the 70s and it was a great place to grow up. It was a house on top of a hill on five acres. Um, my dad worked every day. My mom was a, a stay at home mom. <laughs> and there was um, growing up in that house. Most of the time, it was it was it was fine. There wasn't anything weird going on. But as I got a little bit older, maybe like seven, eight, nine, there were instances if I was in the, in the house, you know, uh, just like walking down one of the hallways, or if I was in the living room, there would be this sense of like there was a presence watching you, mm. and there was uh there was this one one time when I, again when i was like 7 8 or 9 i was watching tv at night and i think my my folks may have gone to the kitchen or something like that and i was in the living room and the lights were off and i was watching cartoons probably like tom and jerry or something like that and I had turned off the TV because my parents were like, Jeff, it's bedtime. And I looked back at the TV and it's, you know, one of the old CRTs, right? The 200 pound cathode ray tube TVs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. Indestructible. Yeah, this is way before flat screens, guys. Uh, <laughs> and I look back at the, the, the TV and in the afterglow, and mind you, I was like watching cartoons there was this face of an old man looking back at me mm. kind of with the male pattern baldness type of thing. Like, you know, like a captain Picard <laughs> type of haircut Lo- looking back at me. Um, I want to say he had glasses and I, I was just like, Oh, Nope. And I just like walked out and I didn't really like uh-huh. register, but I was like, that's kind of weird and, and creepy. And I remember looking at some, um, uh, photos of, of my grandfather who had passed away from cancer um, about four months after I was born. And it looked a lot like my oh. grandfather. Wow. Which was really interesting. And I never met him. I guess he was, he was, um, you know, in such a bad way, he was terminally ill. He didn't want to meet like his new grandson. Uh, I had three year old older siblings and stuff. So like they got all got to meet him, get to know him and stuff. But he was like, it would be too heartbreaking for him to like meet a new baby and then have to say goodbye. Yeah. So soon after, I guess. So, 
so I always kind of equate that to being like my my grandpa John kind of checking in on me yep. when I was a little kid. Absolutely uh, he was. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh there was uh some other instances where my older sister <laughs> uh got into Ouija boards for for oh, a hot boy. minute. Oh boy. And and she was messing around with my brother one evening and I was just watching because I was too scared to like touch the planchette. <laughs> and and they um allegedly communicated with my my grandfather too. They said, you know, who knows what it was, but um it was like, oh, I'm your grandpa John. And then later on in that evening around dinner time, uh the phone started ringing and you know, landline phone, right? Who's got who's got those anymore? <laughs> right. And I, I remember um, my sister answered the phone, and they s- said it was like a prank caller or something like that. And it kept ringing throughout dinner time, and we we're like, no phone calls at dinner. That was like the house rule. And I ran over and answered it once, and there was this just like creepy, ghostly voice on the other end asking for somebody named cal it was just like really weird uh, like maybe it was a prank a prank call like someone messing with the family but it was just like a weird thing and then the phone call stopped but there were other instances that i heard from from uh family members like my brother and also my dad where in the middle of the night they would wake up and their bed would be shaking Hmm. Like something was shaking the bed and the temperature in the room nope. got really cold. We didn't grow up with air conditioning in the house um, or <laughs> anything, anything like that. Um, and there was one instance where my dad told me that he heard a voice call out his name that said like, you know, Hey, <laughs> and he was like, what's going on? And uh, <laughs> eventually he, he was like, he told this presence, whatever it was, um, that he was like, no, I don't want to play. I don't want to interact with this. Like I'm done. And it, it just like the room warmed up and it stopped mm. really, really, really interesting stuff. And there was, um, another instance where in our living room, we had this fireplace with a mantle over it. And there was one morning where I got up and we had this big portrait painting of a scene that had like a a nice little lake with some ducks flying and over the course of the evening somehow this portrait got up off the nail that's like sticking out that far like an inch and a half on this kind of an angle like a 45 degree angle got up off of the mantle didn't knock out over any of my mom had tons of knickknacks and other like smaller picture frames on the mantle didn't knock any of that stuff off and it landed on the carpet didn't break any of the glass on the, on the portrait and was like laying face down Whoa. so somehow this big portrait uh got up <laughs> by itself off of the nail on the wall didn't bend the nail down didn't knock anything off and just Weird. landed perfectly on the ground and then there was another instance where um my mother's best friend who passed away um gosh when was it i think it was in 2000 and my mom had a a picture of her uh in our kitchen on one of the uh uh, pieces of furniture we had in there uh and my mom had put down this i think it was like a, a bowl of like fruit 
or some something like that, like right in front of her portrait. And the next morning that portrait was face down because she hated that fruit. <laughs> so there's yeah, just like some strange odd occurrences in this yeah. house that I grew up in. Um, and I can keep going if you guys want. There's, oh, there's absolutely. a few other stories. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> so, I was just gonna say, like, I why? Why well, why that's is this, what I was gonna ask. What's is, the root? Is there something yeah. with the house or the land? Like Vermont, obviously. I mean, there's so much history of Native there's Americans, history, yeah. there's, you know, early settlers, there's like probably war and devastation. Uh, who knows? Well, this what? is why Stephen King always writes about mm-hmm. East Coast. Yeah. He always uses the East Coast Maine. because that's our old. Yeah. And it gets newer as yeah. we go Maine, west. Pennsylvania. Right. So know, all Maine. of the really <laughs> steeped history. Yeah. yeah. Yarmouth, Maine is one of his wow. towns. Yeah. So the idea or I guess the theory is that. The, the man who built the house in the 1970s, he had a son, and that son had died a few days after he graduated high school in a motorcycle accident. I think it was in the late 70s. The house, my family moved into the house in 1985, and it had been unoccupied for, I think, about three years. Hmm. So I'm not sure exactly when the son died. It might have been the late 70s or the early 80s. And then I think the um, the old man that lived there also, uh, he moved away or he may have passed away too. Uh, not sure exactly uh, the history there. But the idea was that it, it could have been the spirit of this 18-year-old kid that died tragically in a motorcycle accident yeah and whatever forces brought him back to the home he grew up in right you know that was the place he knew and it you know based on like the bed shaking and like the whispering in people's ears it seemed more uh it didn't seem malevolent it just seemed yeah. kind of like it wanted to play trickster but you know that's that's always you know a, a slippery slope in those cases as i'm sure you're you're well aware but right. the activity right of of that nature seemed seemed to stop um after my dad had words with it <laughs> yeah and so and what i've kind of you know over conversations and reading and you know similar to you i've been interested in this stuff forever since i was a kid but that's the big theme is like when you take back the fear and actually approach it you know burning sage all these things are great holy water what you know you hear these themes but it's literally like you're going to stand up and you're going to say I'm done with you. Right. You're going to leave my home now. You are not wanted. And for whatever reason, it's like that forceful ability like your dad did seems to take care of a lot. You know, sometimes you have yeah. demonic hauntings. That's a whole different level. But Yeah, I can't go um, there either. I don't uh, want that. But like you said earlier, Jeff, the little trickster stuff, that's kind of like them. A lot of times you hear they'll kind of play these little games to kind of get you to interact yeah and then it goes then you start hearing like claws on the insides of the walls slowly and oh no weird tapping at (laughs) night and so wait 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 wait. tapping i've heard yeah my wife's inside of the walls on the floor i thought it was her family dog that time yeah like oh god I don't know what that is, but yeah. it's freaking me out. <laughs> I was good after that. I was like, I don't need to see a ghost. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was um gosh, yeah. It there was another instance that it doesn't necessarily involve um ghosts or, or apparitions necessarily, but uh ghost lights. Have you ever 
looked into ghost lights, like Marfa lights, lights down in, Marfa in lights. Texas. Yeah, the big yeah. Uh, Bighorn State Park or whatever that is down there. Yeah, I've read a lot about the Marfa lights. It's very, very, very interesting. Is there a, another place that has a similar type of uh, phenomenon? Uh, well, there's there's a there's a number of them. Okay. Um, but I was going to relay uh, a, a personal experience on that Ooh. at my house. Uh, so when I was growing up in the 90s, um, my folks decided to get an above ground pool and it was in our backyard. And I wanted to go out swimming one early evening. And my mother and her late best friend were her late best friend was visiting and they decided to come out and and uh you know, smoke cigarettes on the, on the pool deck and just hang out and make sure I wasn't going to drown or yeah. anything like that. And I was, yeah. I was about nine, nine years old and we had a lot of bats that would come out around our area. I think there was a, a cave or something up in the hills where, mm. where I lived. So I was busy dodging bats because they would come down and get the bugs mm-hmm. out of the pool and take sips of the chlorinated water, which probably wasn't too healthy in <laughs> hindsight for them. <laughs> but I remember I dived down underwater and I got back up and I'm like rubbing the water out of my eyes. And the uh, the property, I should explain first, is uh, is kind of like a long rectangle. It's surrounded by woods on all sides except for the driveway side. And it's at the end of a, a road on top of the hill. And the, the back end of the property just goes for like acres and acres. And I'm looking back there and just for no reason. And I see this, I want to say it was like a big beach ball size, warm orange light Hmm. that just darted in a straight line um, parallel to our house. And it just kind of like zipped by like really, really fast. And I was like, huh, (laughs) I saw something. No, I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. And I just kind of like, didn't really uh didn't really pay attention to it until a couple minutes later and i had turned around and i was now facing the house instead of the woods and i saw it come back from the other direction what? and just dart dart through the woods and there's like a lot of trees i don't know how it was like navigating but i don't know what it was <laughs> like we had a little swamp in the backyard but right. never saw anything like swamp gas or, right. or any any kind of earth lights or anything like that it was just like a really bizarre occurrence and after that i was just like uh mom i'm going inside right <laughs> i didn't even i didn't even say anything to them i don't know if they saw it or not but it was just like a really one-off thing that was the only time that ever happened but uh yeah yeah, sometimes weird, weird, see... weird New England. Yeah. Oh man, we've had some folks on from New England. Um, the uh, gentleman Dennis Stone from America Stonehenge has been on the show. Uh, Mike Luoma, who studies New England uh, stone chambers, and we got into it with Mike about yeah. all kinds of paranormal stuff in New England, and Dennis as well. Oh yeah. Um, and it's just you know I've been a fan of Jim Vieira and Hugh Newman, who wrote a book about uh, giants on record and. They talk about stone chambers. Those guys are really into Ohio earthworks and ancient mounds and all that stuff just ties together. But it's like New England has the ancient chambers. We have the earthworks. Ohio is a hotbed for paranormal activity. New England seems to be a super, super hotbed of paranormal activity. Um, And it just feels like there's so many New Englanders and Ohioans that are just into this stuff. 
and have had experiences or yeah. there's like there's there's these nexuses of of strange and um you know uh i believe dennis is in uh rhode island so you know there's lots and lots of things happening in new All England. on the east coast yeah yeah yep 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 we've got the bridgewater triangle in massachusetts yeah. America, mm-hmm. Stonehenge, and New Hampshire. You've got the Bennington Triangle in southern Vermont. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot of weird stuff definitely happens here for sure. <laughs> what is it where you grew up? What was it like? I mean, was this a common thing as far as like just even people saying like, oh, I saw something or something in the house? Or was that what you had experienced common? Uh, you, you know, that? I didn't. I didn't hear from a lot of people uh, that I grew up with. Certainly, um, there must have been some other experiences. There was, uh, I had a friend growing up where in the fifth grade, his family bought this old farmhouse from the 1800s and did a lot of sleepovers there and stuff. And they had this big old barn on the property that had something living in it that wasn't alive <laughs> and wait what yeah okay yeah let's go into this <laughs> we so we used to we used to go in there and like do ghost hunts and stuff because there was gosh it was so long ago so i'm trying to, to wrap good. my brain on, on exactly what the first <laughs> what the first experience was but yeah, i think we were just yeah i think we were just playing in there one day they had like a um an indoor chicken coop for their chickens and it was an old cattle barn. So it had like the concrete floor with like the troughs for, yep. uh, you know, waste and, and putting hay down and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They didn't really do too much to spruce up the barn except for put chickens in it. And we used to go in there and play, we'd bring in super soakers and have like super soaker battles and stuff like that. And there was this one instant instance where, um, I remember looking up at the, uh the ceiling on the ground level there was an upper level too but um i remember looking at this hole in the ceiling and i don't know if it was just like part of the woodwork or what but i remember looking up and it looked like there was this eyeball looking down at me and i was just like oh what's that (laughs) and i just kind of kept going on and then another instance we were in there and there i think i think my friends uh my friend's dad was like a into real estate or something so he was never around he's always showing houses and stuff to people and his his uh, mom was um the librarian in our high school actually um and at that point i think she was at a different school but i digress um no one was in this barn but us his sister was inside and we were just in there it was like the middle of the day and clear (laughs) clear as day we're in there messing around being kids we're like 10 years old and we hear this voice that says get out and we're just Jeez. like look at each other we're like what <laughs> and we just ran, we just booked it we booked Dude. it out of there and um so after that point we would go in there and try to like you know be cute and hunt ghosts and stuff and there was this one time where i think it was my friend's birthday and he had like this big birthday party sleepover and we went in with like a crew and we had walkie talkies and stuff oh, and yes. they worked outside the side of the barn wouldn't work inside of the barn. 
And one of one of uh, one of our mutual friends, I think, said he thought he saw like an apparition or something, but I don't know if he did or not. And I remember everyone was like going to bed. It was like two a.m. <laughs> and I uh, I got up to like go to the bathroom, and I I look out one of the windows that's facing this barn, and his parents are asleep upstairs, and we're in the living room, and. I look out and I see this orb of light going in between the barn windows, like inside the barn. What? And, and I was just like, wow, Whoa. is there anyone out there? And I, I couldn't see like the silhouette of a body or anything. Like if, if it was someone like holding a lantern, right. not that anyone's like using a lantern yeah. in the modern era, but right. it was really weird. Um, so yeah, like there's, there's other stuff for, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, like one of those old Coleman, like my dad had, that's like propane. You ever seen those old metal? Oh, sure. Like yeah. Back yeah, in the day, yeah. my dad had that camping. That's what, you know, if you got some guy walking around with something like Ichabod that, crane. but you know, there wasn't like led headlamps back then. Like, what would that be? I'm wondering also, Jeff, maybe are you like the conduit? I are was you bringing ask, the orbs with you? Are you, point. you know? Yeah, it seems wherever so, you go, weird shit happens, shin, bro. You've got the shining. <laughs> I mean, Man, I dude. hope not, but yeah, there's. <laughs> I, I, I don't like to welcome that kind of stuff in no. my life, but yeah. I've certainly experienced more than the, the average person. I think. Right. There was, um, I was just, <laughs> just this, this memory just came up. Um, gosh, I think it was probably about 2008 or something like that. And I was like spending the night at uh, an ex's house and she had mentioned to me that um, there may have been an Indian burial ground on her property. And because like her family had experienced weird things uh, growing up, like hearing people outside of the house that weren't there walking by um, or having um i think there's one instance where like the they had just gotten home from like going out somewhere and the doors were unlocked in the car but then they were trying to get out and then they all just like locked by by themselves or something like that but my experience was this is like one of the um weirder things i think i've experienced was in the middle of the night i woke up out of a dead sleep and I can hear this like old tiny music really, really far off. I thought I was dreaming at first, but then I like got up and I was just like, what am I hearing? And like, no one was awake in the house. Um, and I just could hear this like way off in the distance, old tiny music playing. And it was really freaking me out. And I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just going to try and go back to bed. <laughs> and right. It took me a while, but you know, eventually I just kind of like tuned the tuned this music out and uh, yeah. managed to fall asleep. But yeah. it was like someone had like an old phonograph like, piano or, or phonograph. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine like, it. Like one of those weird. crank, the green mile yeah. music that they play on the old phonograph. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was exactly like that. Big band music. That kind basically. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But like stuff that yeah. just, you're like, that is not normal right. for right now or me to hear yeah. at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. like in The I, Shining yeah. when the music downstairs in the great room. That's what I'm like. Yeah, just, that's The Shining, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was like 30s, 1930s, 1940s during music. And the house Damn. that that this happened in was built in the 1990s. Oh, so there wow. was something on the land. The land. On the land, man. 100%, yeah. dude. Yeah, 100%. maybe stone tape. 
stone tape or something like that, like so quartz crystal in the ground. I don't know. I'll throw a little so. to that, but I've, I'm not sure that I could. So I've had, I'm sure, I'm sure it's what it is, is exploding head syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. You'll hear like I'm almost not familiar. Like, you might hear a door slam or like an ex- literally an explosion or like someone shout or I mean, it's jolted me like I thought somebody's in my home. I have a oh, lot of strange I have experiences myself, that. right? So exploding yeah. head syndrome, you might want to look into that one. It's a really interesting phenomena because you'll swear like somebody's there and it's just you do realize your brain is just firing these signals. But to that music one, That's I've never heard thing, anything yeah. clearly it's enough. Long. But like there have been times where I've considered the fact that I'm like, I'm not sure if it's ex- like if it's me. I also play music. So I hear music in my head randomly. Same. I'll hear songs just pop up, and there's a whole band and people singing, and there's female and male voices sometimes, there's no voice. It's just music just randomly, like my head has turned on a radio station. And I'm not sure if the moments where I've thought that I've heard something strange like that, because I've never heard anybody say anything like that, of like just hearing. But I've definitely sat there before like, I don't know if that's coming through the wall or what's going on well, or if there's something on, but I'm hearing something, or I think that I am. Remember weird. what Delcy was talking about? What? And, uh, the well, actually, I don't. Uh, I don't know if I was I'm not there. sure if you were in the intro. We we did an event at the the Friends of Serpent Mountain Summer Solstice oh. uh, a couple weekends ago. We did a live podcast out there, and it was a good time. Did some recordings, but Delcy's intro to the whole event, and we're gonna probably talk about this with her further. But she had talked about um those guys being down near where the crop circle had landed yeah and then jeff was way up at serpent mound and they were way down there and they were hearing chanting down below and the people up top were hearing drumming and they could they're like what were you guys singing about up there they're like we weren't singing at all. Oh, she did say we that. weren't singing. We yeah, weren't hearing any. There's no drums. She did say that. And they're oh, hearing wow. like this ancient chant. It's like wasn't your kind of uh, more modern Native American. It's just like this kind of sound that they've ne- that just seemed very very ancient. Yeah. And this drumming that the other folks in the different location were hearing. Mm-hmm. So they're hearing two different things at the same exact time. Like well, we weren't hearing any singing, but we were hearing drumming. And, so and her growing up next to Serpent Mound, like these kind of audio ex- phenomenon happened quite a bit where she would hear drumming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only thing I can relate yeah. to this. Like I said, that it just – he started connecting dots there for me and I was like, maybe the, is that what I have or do I have that? And I have – like how do I sift that? How do I figure out if it's – my brain doing it or how do I figure out if it's an external, right? Like that's where I'm like, I don't know how to slice that for myself at the moment. <laughs> well, back in the day when right. we used to go to raves and you'd hear – you go home at night and you try to fall asleep and you hear techno music just in your brain all night yeah. long. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's just in, in completely – sunk into your mind yeah that's a whole different story yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's what i'm saying like maybe jeff is the conduit because who know who knows how that works i mean but seeing these orbs multiple times it sounds like the one through the woods that you said you saw what what would you guys call that spirit lights that's what it's ghost light yeah Yeah, ghost lights i mean and you said it went through the tree line like it didn't go above them it went into them and but what's interesting it was in the trees yeah a lot of bigfoot sightings all of a sudden there'll be an orb like jeff talked about before they see like a bigfoot 
or after. Like these lights are kind of connected with Sasquatch yeah. too. You said you had a lot of woods up there. Any any Sasquatch stories from locals or anyone that you know? Um, nothing that I knew of growing up. Um, I had since starting Strangeology, I had looked into uh, stories about different uh, humanoid Bigfoot type creatures that have been spotted in the state um, a lot, definitely closer to the Canadian border. Um, and there's also um, the story of the Northfield Pigman, which is close yeah. to where I live in central Vermont, which Can we I hear think that one? Yeah. if it was, if it, if it was real, it could have been uh, yeah. potentially a Bigfoot. So back in the 1950s, there was this uh, local kid in the town of Northfield, Northfield, Vermont. Uh, and again, this is all uh, unsubstantiated claims, okay. probably Fair urban enough. legend, right? Yeah. It could enough. be based on the kernel of truth. But the story goes that this this kid, local farm boy named Sam Harris, uh, he was he was cruel to pigs um, on 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 his farm. And there was uh, uh, I think it was 1955, and it was cabbage night. So the night before Halloween, he went out to go cause a ruckus and and uh, mess people's houses up with eggs and stuff like that. Been there. Apparently, he went he went missing. Never came back. There was like a big search effort to to find him, but no one ever found. No, no one ever found this kid, and he was a teenager at the time. And fast forward about uh, twenty years later, it's like the mid mid nineteen seventies. Northfield High School's having a a school dance apparently. And I've been to the Northfield high school. The topography of the, of the campus is, is weird. There's like a really steep hill in the back that goes up to the sports fields. And apparently they, a group of kids had snuck out of the dance to go, uh, go smoke. And at this point in time, I don't know if they still had like areas for 18 year olds to go smoke on campus. Cause that wasn't a rule yet. You know, you can mm-hmm. right, <laughs> smoke right. at schools back then. Right. right. And uh, so they had gone out to go have some cigarettes. And apparently the story goes that this tall beast came out of the woods, scared the crap out of them. They just, they described it as being covered in like a, a white fur and it had the face of a pig. Hmm. didn't have any clothes on so they got scared they ran back into the gymnasium where the dance was happening and they're like there's this monster outside like help us and a bunch of brave youths brave students fellow fellow classmates ran out i'm not sure if there were any of the you know parent chaperones or teachers that went out with them uh but by the time anyone got there to go investigate and see what was going on the creature had vanished Hmm. now that kind of uh is the big story of the the northfield pigman uh and then people started thinking that this might have been this sam harris kid who went missing and perhaps he had hollowed out a pig's head and was wearing it as a mask and going around and like living yeah and he was like living in the woods fairly and just like hunting wildlife to live uh, around the same period, there were local um, farmers and other residents that had reported seeing this same creature digging through their trash cans at night or uh, killing their livestock. 
pigs and uh, pets, like cats and dogs and stuff. There were some animal mutilations, apparently, mm. in the town that went unexplained, and the pig man was blamed for it. Jeez. And 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 now in in the 1980s, there's this story floating around. I'm not sure if it was originally posted in in something like Reddit or not, but this person posted this story that back in the 1980s, his sister had gone up to this back road um, called Devil's Washbowl Road. Now, there's this area that's up in, um, off of Moortown Mountain. It's like a a ridgeline that divides uh, Northfield, Vermont, and Moortown, Vermont. And there's not a lot of people up there. It's all forest, very uh, rocky. Apparently, there's a lot of caves up there. And so this group of teenagers, I believe it was um, a boyfriend, girlfriend, and another boyfriend, girlfriend couple go up there because they heard about the pig man story and they wanted to do a stakeout to see if they could find the pig man. (laughs) And so they find these caves and they're exploring up in the hills and they were going to camp out for the night. And I guess they were going to like pick different caves. Apparently seems like a bad idea. Sounds like the start of a horror movie. I was going to say, but that's uh, (laughs) that's where the story goes sideways. (laughs) I think I'll pass on that weekend. Yeah. I'm not, I'm going to be, I got lots to do. Can't make it. And certainly, (laughs) certainly enough it does because one of the couples goes into this cave and they find all these bones and they're like, Oh shit. There's, something is living in here and eating things. And they couldn't tell if it was human bones or animal bones. And they turn around and they're like, just about to like get out of that cave. Cause they're like, we're not seeing here. And the pig man is standing at the cave entrance. Oh God. And he's comes over, grabs a rock and bashes in the boyfriend's head. What? Right, right, fr- right in front of the girlfriend. And she's Ugh. screaming. And then the pig man drags, the guy out of the cave into parts unknown. They don't know where he went. And the other couple hear the screaming and they run over. They're trying to find the cave and they eventually get there and they find the, their friend who's like, you know, a total wreck. Like her, her boyfriend had just been killed by the pig man and got drugged off. And, and I tried looking to see if there was any reports about that. Yeah. Um, Couldn't find anything to substantiate. Yeah. Yeah. Hospital. So it's probably just, urban legend but yeah. if you look on um i believe the reports on bfro um mm. there is a, i recall reading a sighting that there was a like white-haired bigfoot type creature that had been seen around the moortown northfield area that wasn't they weren't calling it pigman but mm. reading that that sighting i was like is that what pigman was is it is it like an old an old Sasquatch. Right. And I, I've, I've, I've heard of other people seeing stuff, something similar, like on their property before. Yeah. Um, in, in the area. Um, Damn, so great could, story. in, in recent years too. So, okay. you know, wow. I think there, I think, I think there's a kernel of truth to it, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, I'm not sure if it's a guy that's been living out in the woods for 70 years right. who wear, wears a pig's head as a mask. You know, if if, if it was the same kid, that's... he'd be dead by now. I hope, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's actual mutant pig man instead of some dude wandering around with Is the uh, escaped. 
carcass remains of a yeah. hog on his head, like some kind of like Lord of the Flies out in the, you know. I know, that's almost bottom. scarier, right? Yeah, yeah that, that's no good. Yeah. No. It's Michael Myers, Jason <laughs> Voorhees out there living right. off the land. Right. Give me, a, mean, give me a portal pig that came here from another galaxy instead or something, you know. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be much better. <laughs> you know, I will say it kind of reminds me of the Loveland Frogman story a little bit. It's um, got a little bit of the had, Loveland Frogman too. We had James A. Willison um, from Weird Ohio, Weird America, Weird U.S., Weird, Weird Indiana, Weird Willis, Weird Willis, in, yep. and uh, we saw him give a presentation on the Loveland Frogman at Frogman Fest that was here yeah. in Mason, Ohio, and he was like kind of hesitant not to to do this presentation because it's basically saying, well, the Loveland Frogman's really like an amalgamation of four different stories. It's not that one story. Then became. The story we all know and love of this weird little frogman doing a magical ceremony with, with a, a, a wand, wand in the river. Or they um, got the big bellies with the weird hieroglyphs on them and stuff. Like, there's just yeah. so many variants that you're like, what? And he dug deep, dude. Yeah, like, he looked it, for the truth. Whoa. I'm, and then he kind of rehashed that story on our show. But it's, it's very similar to this. It's like, a, you know, through throughout time, there's these different instances that eventually they all get kind of mixed together and then become urban. Now, I do think... They lumped into the pigman category. Yeah, what James talked about with the creatures on the side of the road that the gentleman saw, which was like actually 10 years before the Loveland Frogman sighting, was these essentially those things is what they were probably ETs. They were oh. probably the these extraterrestrial sightings. The belly ones, the little fat bellied ones. Yeah. yeah. And, and that sighting got mixed in with then the later with the police officers. The iguana. Seeing, you know, what. Maybe an iguana. Maybe an iguana. Maybe it was a frogman. That's what. It all gets knows. mixed together and I becomes know. urban legend. But how many awesome t shirts and stickers were created out of that? <laughs> one with the frog with the wand is I still love that. Yeah. I love it. I mean, it's gotten so popular. I haven't seen any Pigman merch yet. Have you got you got Pigman merch? I I do actually. Do you? So <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I have this whole home state cryptids line. Yes, um, yes. For you know, if if you want to buy like a home state pride t-shirt but have it be cryptid based with the most popular well-known cryptids in your state cool yeah it's all up on my shop but i did one for uh the northfield pigman for vermont i also have a champ one too although new york is like that's our cryptid but it's also vermont's cryptid too yeah (laughs) what's your what's your favorite cryptid do you have one uh i love the story of the jersey devil you do Um, okay yeah, yeah. I think I, I've I heard think it. I don't know it's that one. Well. Of the I mean, most well documented. I know that I've heard yeah. about the Jersey Devil, and I'm like, is it is it closer to a dogman? Is the Jersey Devil? It's a very whole, different. Its own thing. Entirely different. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, way off. It's 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 its whole thing, but it's it's a really interesting piece of like American history and folklore. Mm-hmm. Like there are are like actual historical things involved with the story. Yeah. Um, you know the the basic rundown of how the jersey devil came to be was that there was this woman uh who was known as mother Leeds, who lived in the pine barrens with her husband her husband apparently was a bit of a deadbeat but also uh, they they got pretty busy so back then people had lots of kids oh they I already see. had <laughs> they already had 12 12 children Jesus. and it's not it's not clear in the folklore if it was like a lot if any of those kids died, you know, infant mortality rates were pretty high mm-hmm. back then. So right. um, it, it look back in, in your own family tree and you'll see you have ancestors that have 10, 11, 12 mm-hmm. children. And a lot of them die from disease or 
accidents or whatever. Um, Yep. And so she got pregnant with her 13th child and she cursed it. She was like, let this one be the devil is the famous line. Good God. So, and yeah, she didn't want to have any more kids. (laughs) And so she, uh, on on the night she's in, in labor, giving birth to the child, the midwives are there and the baby is born, looks like a normal human, but within moments, the legend goes that the, child started mutating into this devil-like creature it sprouted a uh, a tail bat-like wings its face like morphed into this uh some people describe it as being like a goat's face others describe it as being like a horse's face horse's face um, is what i heard yeah yeah clawed hands mm-hmm. um and then it kind of whipped its tail around some stories say that it killed one of the midwives or killed everyone in the family that was in the room. And then it flew up the chimney and went out into the Pine Barrens. And for uh, this was supposed to be the early 1700s. And ever since then, uh, it's been haunting the Pine Barrens. And in the early 1900s, 1909, there was this huge flap of sightings where people all throughout New Jersey, um, I think Delaware, um, Eastern Pennsylvania, and we're seeing this bat-winged, horse-faced uh, creature that was flying around and terrorizing locals. There were trolley drivers that would do battle with this thing; like it would come and like mess mess around with them. <laughs> there, there were there were local police officers that were shooting at it when they saw it, and it didn't do anything to the creature. It would just let out this like horrid screech and and fly off into the night. Uh, there was this one account where a um, a bar owner was, you know working working in the bar uh serving his patrons and stuff and he goes into the back room and the back door to this place goes out into the alley there's a glass door uh, or a glass window in the door and he sees this shadow of this figure that's standing there and he goes up and he looks at it and it's the jersey devil this like scary looking monster and lets out this crazy screech and he's like everybody get out of here <laughs> so everyone just like booked it <laughs> so yeah it's just like this this wild wild story there's um an account of uh napoleon bonaparte's brother joseph bonaparte who had Im- emigrated to america after he he fled france and he had an, an alleged encounter he was hunting out in the, in the pine barrens and ran into this thing uh there was a um a navy uh a navy officer uh, Stephen Decatur that had gone down to go test cannonballs for, mm-hmm. um, I believe it was President Monroe, and he saw this thing flying by, and they aimed a cannon at it and like shot a cannonball, and it hit, blasted through one of one of its wings or something, and it kept flying. Jesus. <laughs> and so there's this there's this whole conspiracy theory that that the government knew about the Jersey devil and the president had sent him down to go hunt down the Jersey devil. So it's just like, it's just really, really fun story. There's so much, so much lore to it. And I did a whole episode uh, about it on my podcast earlier this year. So definitely, you know, check that out. Yeah. That's very cool. (laughs) Further detail. Go get the whole picture. That's a weird creature. Strangeology. (laughs) This is like something out of the Witcher. 
Mm, we right. Need, we need a modern day it, Witcher, I guess, to slay all these weird things. New season of The Witcher oh, yeah. just came out. Sorry, so yeah. Bub and I are pretty it's, stoked about that. Yeah, I've already watched it all. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we watched the first episode last night. So. I, yeah, I will say no spoilers other than it's, I love that show. But it's a bummer. Henry yeah. Cavill is, this is last season. He gave us three seasons. I know, but dude. Be happy. The Witcher without Henry? It's going to be different. I don't know. We'll You're just see. gonna have to learn to Henry, adjust. we love you. Henry Cavill is the Witcher Hopefully. was amazing. Yeah. Well well, you know what? Oh well. I guess move on. It'll still be dope. It's to, hopefully they keep it to the same kind of storyline and yeah. keep bringing it along because it's th- I mean great. that whole lore though is based off of so many European stories of monsters and The Witcher. Yeah, they do yeah. great research on, you know, a lot of their monsters are based off of old folk folklore and legends from Europe. Um, but the Jersey devil, it, even up until like the seventies and the eighties, I mean, there are so many sightings up until modern days, uh, that is associated with the Jersey devil and the pine barrens, you know, what is a baron? What is this pine barrens? I think of like the barrens from like it, the kids playing down at the barrens. What the hell is the barrens? Is that where all the creepy things hang out? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the the Barrens kind of refers to it being a, a little bit of a desolate place. Like there there are people that live in the Pine Barrens. It's this it's this big wilderness nature preserve in southern New Jersey. If you look at any map, you'll see this big round area of mostly forest. Like there are people that live there. Um, and back in the 16 and 1700s, when the area was being settled um, by uh, colonists there were a lot of um there wasn't really they couldn't farm the land it's just like the soil didn't have the right kind of uh, nutrients ph levels and that kind of stuff because of the pine forest yeah it's too acidic to grow anything so they they uh they found out that there were there was um like iron ore and stuff that could be mined. So there was a lot of like iron and copper smelting furnaces mm. and stuff like that in the area. Okay. Um, but other, other than that, there wasn't really too much there. It's all okay. just kind of forest. And okay. if, if you go to, I've never actually been into the pine barrens. I've driven near it, uh, like on the white horse and the black horse pike. Uh, one of my buddies who's actually originally from New Jersey back, back in the day, we were, we went down to, um, uh, one of the beaches on the Jersey shore kind of near Atlantic city. And we were trying to get back to, we we're staying at his grandparents' place and we got lost trying to like find our way back. And, and we almost went into the pine barrens, but uh, you know, any, anyone that I know that's been in there definitely says it's, it's pretty creepy. Yeah. I've, I've heard from other people like who have contacted me after listening to the episode that I did about the Jersey devil that were like, Oh yeah, I was out there once and there was like something howling off in the distance and I don't know what it was. <laughs> so it's dog like, there man. could be something out there. Yeah. yeah it could be dog man too. Who knows? Yeah, just for, Who knows? Cl- yeah, I just needed that for clarity. We like, love I'm not going man. to the barons anywhere. Yeah. Dogman is <laughs> being in Ohio, you know, Michigan, that's where a lot of the dogmen site, like in the, kind of the early not early but the modern uh stories is that upstate uh you know right there by the Saginaw Bridge of all those stretch of dogmen sightings that had kind of from then trickled down into Ohio but you know we have a lot of dogmen stories yeah in Ohio uh a lot of uh sightings here and all the way down through Kentucky and West yeah. Virginia and Pennsylvania yeah it's a whole kind of uh like a, a dogman highway. I found yeah. out recently that there there are dogman or you know uh, type stories 
in New England. There's the the account of the Palmyra Wolfpack in Palmyra, Maine, where this family was uh, basically had their house attacked by oh, yes. five or six of these things that they bought this old farmhouse that was out on a bunch of land. It was surrounded by really dense, thick forest. There's only one road in and out <laughs> to the house. And uh, they started experiencing like something out in the woods that seemed to be tracking them. Yep. And then one night they saw these things out in the big field that led out into the woods. And one of them stood up on its hind legs. And then they came at the house yeah. and started trying to like get in. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> like, totally terrifying. And uh, there's, there's old accounts back um, in Vermont, actually, in a, in a town not too far from where I live, uh, of some um, lumberjacks uh, working at a, like a logging mill back at the turn of the century. And one of them went missing in the woods and came out a few days later, and he had like gone insane. And he was talking about seeing this, this dog man type were- werewolf creature. And uh, there's even more recent accounts of someone who lives more in the northern part of the state. Um, and this this creature, I think, is being called the Beast of Cold Hollow. And this woman, this local woman who lives, lives in this town in northern Vermont, had apparently had some sightings of like a dogman type creature and even got some uh, some audio recorded of its like howls wow. Oh wow! one night. And some people think from what I read in my research that, you know, it's like the Lugaroo or Rougarou mm-hmm. uh, werewolves that are coming down from like Quebec <laughs> hmm. that who knows if they came over from Europe or, or what, but mm-hmm. you know, it's could be a whole path that goes also down into Michigan as well through like the, the Toronto area, you know, who knows? right. <laughs> I mean, all those waterways up in upstate New York that all connect into upstate New York and Pennsylvania and Ohio, um, up into Michigan. I mean, those the river systems and lakes are just never ending. I mean, that's wild out there. There's yeah. tons of deer all over the place. Usually, a good indicator of a path or a junction, though, yeah. where somebody's going to follow along. Yeah, and or the, be on it using you know, it as a transportation method. Connection of dogmen and portals. You know, the that portal one I don't, thing. I don't get the portal thing with dogmen. How the hell are they getting portals? It's a mystery. It's yeah. I mean. It's all of a sudden they just, you know, like the Skinwalker Ranch story of the scientists. Do you think the portal? After 15 years, they just left Skinwalker Ranch. And some of the things they talked about was like portals opening up and these werewolf creatures crawling out of them and jumping out. Do you think that's like a a being from another dimension letting their dog go out for a walk in our dimension? (laughs) Go take a crap in their dimension. Get going, dog man. (laughs) Get over there now. Get out on that ranch. Yeah. Like, like they, they don't want it crapping in their universe. They leave yeah. it over here and then they yeah. bring it back. They let it hunt and eat over here and grab a person yeah. or two. And then maybe yep. that's the agreement uh, we did with the Greys back in the day with, with Eisenhower. I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, it because it's strange. Like, it, it, none of it makes sense. Like, obviously, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, Sasquatch and orbs and dogmen and portals and, like... I mean, just seeing all the collection behind you, I know these are all real stories. I know they're all like, you know, yeah. Flatwoods Monster and, and uh, Jersey Devil and the Frogman. And yeah. this is all like. Band yeah. Meter Visitor is a fun one. But it's not just one person. Mm-hmm. Generally, these stories don't arise from one and individual eyewitness it's account, not right? It's not modern either. These stories go back for Right, ages. they continue. That's yeah. the other part that's really interesting is like. 
Is it just a shared collective consciousness mirage at some point? Or are we actually seeing this and how do we figure out what we're seeing? Because it's very, like you said it earlier with the whole 40 in context of, you know, is it that little windows opened up and we can see, and then that shuts for a time period. And then, you know, do we just not know these cycles of when that happens? Yeah. That Keel talks about. Right. Because I think that's yeah. that's a possibility, but but I think we're getting closer to the, the actual that. answers here in the last five years. I mean, think yeah. how many like researchers like Jeff and and people like that are opening this stuff up and right, you know, right. the cryptids, uh, content creators, and the paranormal content creators. Like you have so many sharp people that are opening up to like. I mean, even five years ago, yeah, there wasn't this much awesome information about all these strange things. What's happening right now is what happened when I went from being a kid to an adult as a Packers fan. When you were a kid in like the 80s and 90s trying to find Green Bay gear in, in Ohio and especially in the country, you're not finding anything that has anything Green Bay. You're not going to go to JCPenney and... Never. Yeah. And there's no internet. You're not getting... So we just grew up without stuff and hand-me-downs and whatever, right? And it's the same thing with what he's saying about, uh, you know, the research and just the interest alone, right? The, the spectrum of people that are into this field and love cryptids or love UFOs or love, you know, like you said, I grew up watching, I remember Christmas after opening presents, I went downstairs because it was X-Files, like a new episode was coming out that night. And it was mm-hmm. like, I had all kinds of snacks and a whole tub of popcorn and yeah. I had my new Legos. I was ready to go. Like, bring it on. What's the new thing? And watching that show in retrospect, they're very good about their shows they actually did and taking actual oh, yeah. accounts mm-hmm. and making their episodes. I didn't know that as a kid. I thought no. that was all fictitious or, you know, 99% was. Yeah, most of it's based off of something. So it's really, I think that actually spurned a lot of people on unknowingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. And for has, sure. has a lot of backing to it with it being based on, you know, a lot of times historical accounts or... Uh, witnesses. Yeah. And that dogman story you mentioned in New England where the family was kind of overrun by these yeah. dogmen or whatever. I remember seeing that on, I think it was the Haunted series where that's basically like a live action recreation format. Uh, that TV show, it, it's mixed in with interviews, but they have actors come in and they kind of recreate that whole whole thing. And, and it, the way they portrayed it in that show was they just started seeing little red eyes around deep into this field like what is going on and then uh, over a series of nights they kept getting closer this happened over yeah. i think a few days if i'm not mistaken that's too creepy um but eventually like jeff said where they were on the porch like trying yes. to get in and this family's they got guns they're like ready to go to war with these things i mean could you imagine dude no. like <laughs> yeah i think i think i remember the story was the the, the wife made the husband lock lock all of his guns in in their barn yes that was across the way so he couldn't even get to him right i think he ran out at one point and then saw that um he had a flashlight and he he shined it out and at the edge of where the flashlight light ended he could see the the red eyes of the dogmen just yeah. sitting there waiting to pounce it was right. just like and he ran back inside <laughs> that's right. i knew there was yeah. something with guns that's what it was the they couldn't get to their weapons because the wife was like freaked out and didn't want them in the house they had little kids and stuff so you know yeah, he's probably had, a hunter and whatever well right. and they had a wraparound porch too and yes. they jumped up to that second level mm-hmm. which is just like yeah that's when stuff. they're getting ready to come in I mean, yeah, you're in bunker mode. You're you're 
you know, you're I don't want to be in that scenario. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. I mean, yeah, I don't people, even own a gun. People talk about, oh, I want to have an experience. I want to see this. Do you? Until that happens to you, be careful what you wish for. I mean, yeah, I'd love to see, you know, we've seen in Switzerland, we we've saw what we thought. I mean, it had to be some kind of craft. There's no way these things were, you know, uh, you know, we were way, way up in the mountains and uh, we were on a gig at the Co Palace and uh, right above Montreux in Switzerland and we were just hanging out on our balcony after the shoot and this light like Stoner Chris we all saw it. we started seeing these things come and all of a sudden whoop they would just go so definitely not a satellite i mean they're coming in hot like super super fast mm. but it's not like this big giant thing you're seeing you know it's just so clear that you could see it's almost like a highway going on up there it could be and um, we just don't have a good view of it. No, most people aren't looking up. And you're, you know, when yeah. you're, right? You know, we were like seven, eight thousand feet, maybe nine thousand feet. Yeah. In the Swiss wow. Alps, up, up there. I still think there should be a wow. program where all homes have a camera that just points straight up at the sky, and as a collective <laughs> Earth, we yesterday. just monitor the whole Earth all the time, twenty four seven. We could see all this. Bub said, "I don't want a ring camera on my front porch. I'm just going to put it on top of the house." And just point it straight <laughs> up in the air. I just want to see all. And imagine if we did that, if we collectively could all. Because well, we don't all look up at the. If, if the whole. No. If, if any amount of people at the same time said, hey, for the next half hour, this 100 square mile radius, everybody's going to sit there and just look up. Guy. Yeah. Just look up well, for the. You, uh, to look at it. But we can't do it. You know, it hurts the my Las neck. Vegas crash, the UFO crash a month ago. Yeah. All that was captured on all these different ring cameras and the whole story right. of the kid with the eight foot aliens in his backyard. And, you know, we covered this whole, you know, George Knapp now kind of thinks, well, he went to go interview them and they didn't show up. They it had the whole be. thing scheduled out. But Ooh. is the family just like, oh God, we didn't want to be famous? Overwhelmed. What have you done? The kid Angel who created a YouTube channel put that video out there and he's like, maybe his family was like, you got to stop. You can't do this interview. We're getting way too much attention. Who really knows? Yeah. Um, but it all yeah. kind of coalesced with David Grush coming out with the whistleblower There's a lot. There's a lot coming up at the moment, yeah. Bro, we but, are in the good yeah. Time. That's how I used to joke all the time. Like you can go on YouTube and just watch like ring doorbell cameras and it's the best America's funniest home videos now. Because yeah. it's people on, you know, step ladders falling off their <laughs> hopefully not getting hurt too bad. But I mean, it's just like we are catching ourselves with this voyeuristic ability. Why don't, don't we do that? Why don't we make it for something worthwhile of you know, hell, you could watch. How cool would that be if you had that camera on your roof and you could watch, like, if you lived in an area where you had good stars, you mm -hmm. could take that and you could just, like, put that on your TV. You know, you could watch your own nature channel from your home, like, you know, trying to figure out how that would to do be that. really interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, I know earlier on, on uh, at the start of the show, I, I, had mentioned, you know, I could talk about a UFO sighting. Yeah. Oh. Now that we're talking about UFOs, you go, you guys want to hear uh Please. the major one I've experienced. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So so my big experience, and, I, and I've seen like a couple of like weird things in the sky that I'm like, was that something? But this one was um this one was kind of like one of those life-changing moments where you're like, oh something else is out there. Uh, and so it was 1997. My brother had taken me to go see uh, the 
re-release of Empire Strikes Back. Nice. <laughs> so, you know, seeing a movie about space aliens, right? Uh, galaxy far, far away. And we're driving back. It's about nine o'clock at night. And we're at this point on the road where it's a straightaway for probably about a mile. And there is an airport nearby, but it's not where we're driving wasn't along the flight path. But I eventually the road gets to this tree line and kind of dips down into the woods, down a hill, and empties out into a river valley. And I notice these three lights, one, two, three, in a triangular formation, mm. just above the tree line. And I'm like, oh, that's a plane. It's coming in for a landing. It's really low, and it's kind of in the wrong area. And I'm like 13 at the time, so uh, I'm not just like a little kid. And I'm sitting in the back seat of my my brother's old Volvo 240, and I'm like, "What is this thing?" And I keep focusing on it, and so I'm like, "Is it a light in the car, like a running light on the door that's on that's reflecting for some reason, even though it's like the totally wrong angle for that?" And there's no lights on in the car except for my brother's dashboard, and I'm like, "Okay." So I roll down the window. Because it's, you know, old school 80s car. <laughs> Doesn't have the automatic uh, mm-hmm. windows like we do these days. And I look out the window. Lights are still there in the sky. And then I notice they're not moving. And I'm like, that's really weird. They're not moving. So this isn't a plane. What the hell is this thing? And I've seen plenty of UFO specials because, you know, early mid 90s, that's like, that, oh, was yeah. my, that was my that was my jam like watching all these oh, yeah. like specials and documentaries and you know in search of and sightings and stuff yep, on the yep. sci-fi channel and uh i think i was at that point i was aware of the like the bell the triangle sightings in belgium that happened mm-hmm. in 1990 right and so i was like oh god is this a triangle what is this thing yeah and we're getting closer to it and this is all over the span of like i don't know two minutes maybe because we're going like 35 40 down this road and it's a mile off and uh we finally get to the tree line and this thing is still there and i can really only see the three lights at first but we went down the bend in the road into the woods and we drove right under this sucker whoa dude and one of the lights was obscured you could still see the other two but and it was a pretty clear night and you couldn't see stars in between the lights. So mm-hmm. it was one solid object, right. you know, the, the TR3B black manta, whatever mm-hmm. people call it. Right. You know, and looking back on it, it, it's likely one of ours, but yeah. Um, you know, it might not have been, I can't say, but it yeah, um, seems to be what, what military I, or air force bases would be out there to house something like that where you're near. Is there anything that would be close by? The only uh, the only places I think at the time there was one in Plattsburgh, New York. There was an airfield there, and at the Burlington International Airport, there is also uh, the Air Guard, but they were only housing F-16s at the time, yeah. and they yeah. only had like four four hangars. There's no way that they're holding something that size. Right. And once once Google Maps came out, uh, or Google Earth rather, I uh, I went back and looked at the area where I saw this thing and tried to remember to the best of my ability, how far apart 
the lights were based on there was a house like right nearby too that was like right on the right on this house's property and the thing was like the size of a football field it was huge so i don't know what kind of secret programs are going on or if this is you know something else but you know the size of a, a 747 at least um <laughs> yeah, it was huge. And that's, you know, these triangular cl- craft with the three lights. I mean, you hear a lot of these type of stories and the consensus is, is that it is some kind of, you know, secret operation, right. or se- secret program that it, it is a terrestrial reverse engineered craft of some sort. I think that's and they're out there testing it at night. I think that's been going on for a long time. I think with the Grush thing, that's what Grush you've got a lot about. of you've got a lot of uh, politicians right now talking about it. I don't know if it's Rubio's the one that's kind of championing it too, but whatever. But like the sentiment of people in government that know about this stuff think if they come forward, they will be killed. Right, like it's it's got this whole dagger Dude, and cloak surrounding Grush is just it. Just the first. Like, I know there's going to be so many more with this whistleblower act. Yeah. We're going to learn so much in the next year. But also, yeah, it's going to also be really like interesting. the aerospace companies like Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, um, Raytheon all these companies that um, I can't remember the general. Is it Ross Colehart? Colehart? Uh, some gentleman was talking about the fact that, OK, say you're say you're Raytheon or, or Lockheed Martin and you were gifted one of these craft or a piece or something Exotic by the material. government back in the day yeah. to work on and develop. And he's talking about how he thinks they're dumping some of this technology because mm-hmm. they do not want to be caught with culpable. Well, they're supposed to be hand. They're supposed to disclose to Congress, to the Senate majority, the committee, all of the exotic material. That's what just came out last. Oh, really? Week, that they have to. And if you're Raytheon, you have to let them know, like, hey, this is when we received this. Right. We down. We got this from a downed aircraft and or reverse engineering, and these are all. This is all the technology that. If they're not going to enforce that, dude. These companies, these military industrial comp, they're so powerful, dude. Congress is nothing compared to these yeah. companies. And well, and it's uh, where House of cards, got, right? It's such a wicked web of who's tied to who and who's greasing whose wheels, right. and you know, don't cross this person, or you know, it. It has to be that way. It has to be that way. It's compartmentalized. If we can dream it, what is the statement from Saving Silverman? If you can dream it, you can do it. If that's what we're dreaming up is probably happening. I think a lot of that's, I mean. We're there. I always think of the government as like parents. And how do you get your kids to do things? Sometimes you just got to do the because I told you so or because I said so. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But damn it, dad said it. I got to do it. The government is the parent's to you know to the populace right like and they're like well, we're not going to give you idiots all this information we yeah. need you to do this this and this like i really do i don't think we're like even considered well, in in the process of how that's disseminated at all and right whether they like probably it, whether they like it or not it's coming it's coming you think out. so it's coming i mean out. i hope so i got and my popcorn ready they'll slow drip it but i don't think you can stop these whistleblowers coming out. How long before I get my own UFO to fly around to another oh, galaxy? That ain't happening, bud. Okay. <laughs> Ever? <laughs> While we're on the subject of UFOs, Jeff, <laughs> I wanted to, uh, I've been catching up on some of your episodes and a story that I've never heard of that I thought was super fascinating is the Stardust, Stardust Ranch 
story, which kind of has everything. I mean, you've got paranormal, you've got UFO. You haven't heard of this? I think I've heard the name, but I don't know. It sounded familiar to me too, but I'd never heard. First of all, folks, if you want to listen to the full episode, it's a part one and part two on strangeology. And it's, he goes deep, but just to kind of give us a broad stroke of of that story, because it blew my mind listening the last few days. Game on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this was a, a story that I had uh, actually came ac- across um, while I was scrolling through TikTok. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I got to look into this. Yeah. I, uh, and I, I feel like I'd heard, I heard, had heard the name before yeah. when I was reading, reading about Skinwalker Ranch. So Stardust Ranch is this area in Buckeye, Arizona. It's this 10 acre property. Um on Tut Hill Road, uh, and this couple back in the '90s, uh, this guy John Edmonds and his his wife Joyce. John Edmonds was a clinical um, therapist, uh, social worker, and his wife Joyce did clerical work for the FBI in Phoenix. Mm. Um, and he had gotten burnt out on doing therapy and counseling. And he had this dream of of wanting to to own a, a horse ranch where he would rehabilitate um, horses, and so he, he found this property. His wife didn't want to go there. They checked it out. She was like, "Nope, I don't want to live there." But they <laughs> they yeah, they did it anyway. He put his life savings into buying oh the place, and, and pretty much on the first day, like weird stuff started happening. The previous owners were nowhere to be found um and they went in there to start moving their stuff in they had their u-haul truck and all of the owners belonging the previous owners belongings were still in the house all the appliances the tvs there were clothes in the, the dressers in the bedroom there were still unused towels hanging up just generous bathrooms people. not a not yeah a good they're sign. generous not a good sign and yeah. so and so john's pissed and he calls his real estate agent and he's like He's like, oh, well, I should be able to get a hold of the previous owners um, by the afternoon and we can get this sorted out for you by the evening. And so they go kill time in downtown Buckeye for the rest of the day, John and Joyce, and they go see a movie, have some lunch. They come back at the end of the day and they go back to the house and everything's out. They're like, how the hell did they get all this stuff out of here? There was like everything was in the house. There were beds, couches, chairs, everything. and. So they're like, okay, we'll uh, we'll start kind of sweeping the place up, getting things ready to move everything in because it was the end of the day. They're not going to spend the whole night moving all of, all of their stuff in. Right. And the only the only thing they brought in was a mattress, so they had a place to sleep. And it was right before they were about to turn in for the night, and there was a pool in the backyard. And if you're familiar with with towns in in the Southwest, like New Mexico, Arizona, a lot of these houses that are out in the desert, they have a uh, a brick wall around the property and yeah. it's you know desert scrub mm. they don't have grass <laughs> right uh but in this backyard that's fenced in with like a brick wall there's a nice in-ground pool and so john goes back out there turns on the the the, the backyard light and he sees that everything in the house is in the pool and it's an empty pool it's not 
full, full with water. But everything, couches, the beds, the dressers, uh, all of the kitchen appliances, like the fridge, the, uh, the TV that was still in the house, uh, what, clothes, e- everything what? This is had wild, been put dude. into this, this pool. This story's wild. And, and so he gets on the phone what? and he's got one of those like mid nineties, it's 1996, he's got one of those big, big, big brick phones. <laughs> yeah. And, and he calls the real estate agent and he's like, what the hell is going on here? And he's like, well, um, we, we didn't get a hold of the previous owners. They're, they're AWOL, like their numbers disconnected. We can't get a hold of them. And so I guess it looks like you have a bunch of nice free stuff. <laughs> and we can't help you because if you paid for the house in cash. Uh, so over the course of the next few weeks, I think John had taken all the stuff out and put it on the side of the road for free. And like, you know, most right. of the stuff eventually found, found a new home, but in short order, they started experiencing uh, weird stuff around the ranch, like uh, missing object phenomena. Like he'd put something down, turn around and then go back and it would be gone. Like mm-hmm. he was tinkering around, doing a lot of repairs, getting the, the horse re- rehabilitation place open. There were like horse stables and, and everything on the ranch. And um, he used to like to drive out into the desert every once in a while. And he would see lights in the sky that weren't ours. They weren't our planes or anything. And they're pretty close to the Estrella mountain range. And there's an airfield there for the air force, but this wasn't planes that were taking off from there. These are just like UFOs in the sky over, over the ranch. And eventually they started seeing ghost light orb type things like in the desert, like on their property or just beyond like the, the back of their property. And so they're like, okay. And mostly John seeing this, Joyce isn't really seeing a lot of this stuff happening. And it gets to the point where um, there's there's one, one morning where he wakes up and one of his dogs, and he's a big dog lover, big animal lover. He has nine, he, at the time he had nine Rottweilers. Good and he grief. kept them overnight in cages, outside under one of the the ranch structures um and one morning he he gets up and there's one of his dogs is um has been mutilated somehow it was let out and it was flattened like a pancake totally no no blood so like some force came around and 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 messed with him um and in that way it was like his favorite dog but I, i should also back up to um I'm skipping ahead a little bit. <laughs> Pardon my jumping around in the in the timeline here, but um, you're good. After after the all the belongings in the house incident happened, I believe it was it was only within a few days or maybe like a week after after moving in, and John was outside tinkering around, and there was this man that was walking down Tut Hill Road, and comes up opens up the gate they have this big iron barred gate to the to the ranch that goes up the driveway and this guy comes up and uh john's like uh, can i help you like what do you want he's like oh I, I live here on the ranch and he's like no you don't like i just bought this place there's, there's no one that lives here and he like scans around he's like thinking maybe this guy was living in one of the structures on the ranch maybe he was a squatter or something like that because the previous owners like hadn't been there for a while and he was like 
He's like, oh, you don't have any business here, man. Like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I, I kill the monsters here. <laughs> and he's like, the monsters? Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I, I think you should leave. Like, get out of here. And he's like, okay. And he turns around and he's like, you're going to regret that. And he walks off and he's never seen again. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, you know, he's like the resident, a bad. He's the resident witcher of Stardust Ranch. Right. <laughs> And pretty much and he, he he came up holding this big machete too right? oh so it's well that's like, a little wrinkle that's yeah a bit witcher yeah and he Good probably looked looked grief. like a witcher too because he was like this pretty gruff old man looked like he was maybe ex-military or something like that yeah. um Besimir. and so you know the only witchers in my neighborhood uh, uh vanquish amazon packages from front porches <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of them. It's a battle out yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so as as time goes on, you know, things just get weirder. And after the dog incident, um, the horses were attacked next. Uh, he lost a few of the rescue horses in a, a similar oh manner. My God. They couldn't. They couldn't have been. Uh, I guess for a lack of a better word, butchered like they were, and they were like in their horse stalls overnight. And he'd he'd come and find them in the stall. They'd be totally, you know, like cattle mutilation, like yeah. Linda Moulton House whole God. thing, right? Like they were exsanguinated of all blood, and there was mm. like weird puncture marks and surgical like marks on them. Yeah. So it's like, what what's doing this? Like, what's going on? And eventually, um. He wakes up one night and he uh, he was having trouble falling asleep this one evening and he's kind of in and out of sleep. You know, that liminal state that you get in right before sleep, you're in and out. You kind of like you might hear like the head explosion thing. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it wakes, it jars you out of bed. Um, and he feels this cold, clammy. Thing. Hand touch his arm which is outside of his sheets nope and starts running up his arm and he's like what is this and he turns on the light on his nightstand um grabs he had like a baseball bat next to his his nightstand i guess this was before he turned on the light but he grabbed the bat first and just like like signs and just like hits this thing with a baseball swing bat. away swing away meryl and <laughs> and the sound that this thing makes is like this hissing of a, a basketball being emptied of air oh whoa like this weird like <laughs> whoa and he turns on the light and there's three gray aliens standing next to his bed and he's like and he's about to like start swinging and they just vanish they totally just like Dude. phase out of reality and over the course of like 20 years or more he stayed um, that long he stayed that long oh yeah he stayed in, and, and he would do battle with these things he found out that shooting them didn't do anything stabbing them with knives didn't do anything Damn. getting into fist fights with them didn't do anything and there was all they always came in groups of three and there was like a principal, like a leader, and like two underlings that would come around. And once that they once they knew that he knew that they were there, they weren't so secretive about like coming around. And he he figured that they had probably been coming around at night for a while and abducting them because they were waking up with strange marks and contusions on their bodies. Why would you um, stay for that? 
Oh, he that, like Jeff said, he paid the for the house in cash. He didn't know. Maybe he's stuck that financially. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could sell the house. They never could, found the previous owners. Ever. They just disappeared, dude. Just dipped. Allegedly. Yeah. Wow. They, they just so, they they dipped. <laughs> did he write a book about all That's this? That's what I'm or, wondering. Yes, there okay. there is a book. Okay. Yep. There is there is a book that he he wrote um, that came out in uh, twenty. 19. Oh, wow. Um, and so I, I read the thing and that's where a lot of the, the information's from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he apparently did battle with these things. And then the, uh, the wildest part of the, the battle with the aliens is that he, he was driving around at Christmas, uh, one day and he got, got stuck behind this car, this pickup truck that was going real slow. It had like a Christmas tree in the back and like, bags and boxes of all this stuff probably presents right and it hits this bump in the road and this this long thin like bag drops off and he stops and picks it up and he's trying to flag these people down but they're gone by the time he like gets out and gets this thing he even tries to catch up to them and he gets home and he opens it up and it's a samurai sword like a legit <laughs> like you know wow. hattori hanzo from kill bill wow uh, samurai sword and so he's like, well, I guess I couldn't find these people, so I'm going to put this thing to use if these aliens show up again. And he puts it under his bed, and um, he's uh, one day he's hanging out working on um, uh, an electrical mechanical project in his living room. And he had learned that the, the grays, they phased into our reality, it seemed like, uh, through portals. And they wouldn't come in if you were looking directly at them but you could see them kind of like poking a head like their head would just kind of like like come in into reality but you could see it from your peripheral vision and he saw them starting to do that and so he kind of played dumb like he didn't see it and he you know in in stories of grays they're telepathic too so they can like read your thoughts and stuff so he you know his his uh his story to that was that you know, he was, uh, he trained his mind <laughs> and having a, a background in clinical psychology and counseling and stuff. He, he would get into this state where he wasn't thinking about them. So they didn't, they weren't aware that he was aware. Right. And so he went to the master bedroom and he got the samurai sword set up for when they would come in so he could like defend himself or, wow. or get them to go away. And they had this sunroom in the house and he saw that they had through his peripheral vision that three of them had jumped in and they were just kind of like milling about in the sunroom and uh wasn't sure if they were going to come and try to mess with them or not so he he uh walked casually down the hallway to the master bedroom grabbed the sword and then there was this other hallway that went around that that uh you couldn't see this hallway from the sunroom so he could like get the drop on these things and he comes up and he zeroes in on what he thinks is the the leader of the three he draws the samurai sword and like runs up to it and just like slices its head off what (laughs) yeah and the other two phase out and the reason why this is this was important is because anytime he stabbed them or shot them, they would like fall to the ground and seem like they were dead, but they would just phase out. Even if, even if they were like shot or maimed or something like that. But what he found out 
was that if you cut the head off, it seemed to sever their their connection to whatever reality that they were coming from, or if it was like a, a ship that was somewhere up in the sky that they were teleporting to. Um, and so that was kind of like the, the, the big reveal that like, Oh, you could, you could actually cut the head off and stop them from teleporting. So you could, so he has this body now that he like store, stored in a meat freezer. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> and and he got in touch with this, this um <clears throat> this ufo researcher uh whose name escapes me right now he was a former military guy and um he got he got john in touch with this crop circle researcher in michigan oh, named wc levengood um who uh started researching crop circles in the 1990s uh he was one of the guys that found out that that real crop circles um are physically altered by whatever force is creating them instead of um the stalks snapping the oh the little nodes actually extend and then bend and the plants continue to grow in real crop circles versus if it's a, someone with a plank and ropes stomping them down Dude, and oh yeah. the plants yes. and they eventually die and so he got uh a FedEx package together and FedExed uh, some tissue samples and some of the alien blood, which was like this black, like oily substance. X-Files. <laughs> yeah. X-Files, right? Yeah. I don't know if it was black, actually. It might have been. The black ooze. You know, he had, looked, he had yeah. pictures of it and it looked kind of like black and greasy and like, I don't know, you know. And so he he sent this stuff out to Levengood and he did some analysis on it, sent it out to labs and he found out that the the alleged blood, whatever liquid substance that came out of this thing was like pure hemoglobin. Mm. And it seemed, it seemed to also have some kind of like plant like uh, properties to it as well. There are these long uh, fibrous looking, um, I don't know if you could call them cells or not, but it was present within this substance and uh <clears throat> Levengood was like oh you've got the smoking gun for proof of like extraterrestrial or whatever life visiting the planet but then uh Levengood was pretty old he was like in his late 80s and uh John stopped hearing from him they were going to get this whole press release together but then he didn't hear from him for a while and his his contact who was the ex-military guy went up to Michigan to go see what was going on and it turned out he passed away and there's, um, you know, the story goes, and it's not in the book, but there were some, there were some uh, through, through theories that um, he may have been taken out, or like the labs that were that were doing the work on this were like burned down, and all the data was lost. Oh my. Not sure if I'm not sure if that's that's actually the case, but uh, yeah. So he he stayed in this house for a long time. There was one incident where. Uh, actually several where you know he'd wake up in the middle of the night and his wife would be levitating off the bed like the gray yes. aliens were were manipulating her and and one night she was like floating down the hallway and he was like trying to get her to wake up um and then she phased through one of the walls and out outside and uh there was a a saucer shaped uh craft that was up above the ranch that was like trying to tractor beam her up into it. And so he grabbed his AK 47 and started shooting at it. <laughs> so, and I, I'm, God. This story's I'm assuming this was a, 
Yeah, I, I'm assuming this was when like there weren't a lot of other houses on this road. Now right. there are a lot of houses on this road. Yeah, but in the early '90s there weren't. And also, so, you're in Arizona in the early '90s where everybody's packing out. In the country. Still a wild still west. Are, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. And uh, yeah, Ghost Adventures did an episode. They went and did an investigation, oh, and they they thought they found something demonic in there. They had um, they had some um uh exorcists come in uh mormon exorcists actually uh interesting that, that he yeah um that was a an interesting tale they they turned tail and ran because like whatever was there they pissed off a lot and it was wow. like going nuts um and then there was uh there's some you know psychics and mediums that came out that tried to like help them out and and uh, unfortunately, um, last year, uh, John Edmonds actually passed away. Hmm. We're not sure, you know, what the circumstances were. He was, you know, in his 60s, uh, you know, could have been health health related issue that yeah. happened or, or what. But, but not a real uh, old so, guy, 60s. You know. No, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the ranch has changed hands according to property data that I looked up. Uh, it was sold back in October or November of 2022, and then it changed hands again this past April of 2023. Wow. So not sure if it was like a foreclosure situation. I don't think it was. Maybe someone bought it, flipped it, and then it went up for sale again. So, you know, if something really is happening out there, it'll be interesting to see. You know, um, John had claimed many times that Robert Bigelow had expressed interest in buying the ranch because okay. John had been trying to sell it. He uh, he was in there for a long time, but he had been trying to sell it since 2014. Yeah. Um, so, you know, who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with this, with this place. And a lot of people think that the story was, was uh, concocted to make it seem like another Skinwalker ranch mm -hmm. to get a lot of money. It was listed for initially, I think for, uh, like 2 million uh when he first or maybe it was 1.5 million when he first started uh trying to sell it and then after they did the ghost adventures episode it went up to like 5 or 6 million Damn. for an asking price and this was like 2017 2018 but no one was biting so i think it actually sold for like 600,000 or something like that you know but um yeah so there, there's the idea that like the story was made up and and stuff, but that's you know, a lot. there's that's a lot of stuff. And he yeah. claims he wasn't ever a UFO guy. This isn't anything he mm -hmm. was ever interested in uh, in his life, and it was just something that he had to deal with. And he right. stayed there so long because he put his life savings in there. Right. He thought he could handle it as the man of the house, and and uh, so you know, it could it could very well be one of these window areas. I mean, there's right. Sedona, Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, just a, a couple hours north. Uh, yep. Roswell's not that far away. You know, yep. there's all sorts of high strangeness in the Southwest to begin with. Oh, yeah. You know, who's to say, who's to say this isn't one of them? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the inspiration of the strange road. Like when I had in my head of like, what would this, a strange road look like? 
the American Southwest popped up to me just because of the some of the trips that we've had mm-hmm. and places we've explored, petroglyph sites and vortexes around Sedona. And, yeah, and it just it, looks strange out there. The stories we've heard and, and been on back roads, uh, you know, late night out in the desert. It's yep. creepy. It's a weird, weird part of America. You know, New Mexico, they don't call it the land of enchantment for nothing. I think it kind of feels like outer space because you do, you get very remote. You're like, if you it's don't like get Mark. gas now, yeah. there's no services for 400 miles or yeah. whatever it is. Like you better have gas and food and a phone and yeah. you don't see a car. Like my wife and I have done the same driving all over in Montana and Wyoming. And yeah, you do. You just feel very remote and you're like, I'm on a, on a island. Like there's no one here. Like you could do anything. It doesn't, it's, and then, and then that's where the weird stuff happens. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it's the preserve for the, for the strange, you know? Um, To go back just a little bit, Jeff, uh, we have a friend, uh, crop circle researcher Mm -hmm. that from Michigan. I wonder if Jeff knows this gentleman at all. Our friend, Jeffrey Wilson, who he might know, uh, came to lives right next to serpent mound. Now he's a serpent mound researcher, but he initially came to, uh, was invited by his now wife, Delcy, to uh, basically uh, Crop Circle showed up right across the road from Serpent Mountain in 2003. The 20th anniversary is coming up. Um, she got a hold of Jeff and his organization, the ICCRA, and they all came down there with this gentleman, Roger, and then Pete Hardinger, who's a UF, longtime 40-year UFO researcher out of Circleville, Ohio. They kind of all ascended into this crop circle, and uh, they spent a lot of many years researching this crop circle. And uh, the things that Jeff and his group discovered overall was what you talked about. That how the plant stalks, how they're bent and still not broken. And, you know, to let a little bit of a cat out of the bag, we just did an ep- episode about the Serpent Mound crop circle out at Serpent Mound a few weeks ago. And Jeff showed images, the actual proof and the how those stalks continue oh, yeah. to grow after the fact, the before and after photos. They weren't snapped. And how they were laid down, yeah. but they were kind of necrotic in a way. They were they, heated up yeah, at, that, was, at that joint. Right, that the yeah, the, the, the ethical node. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And he used that exact same terminal. So that was like just popped up. Um, but you know, Jeff is fully uh, immersed into researching Serpent Mount. That's how he came to Serpent Mount. Lives right next door now with his wife, now wife Telsey. Because of the crop, and circle. they met because of this crop circle. It's like a calling card. Wow. And it, it's <laughs> it's a very interesting, amazing story. We're hoping to kind of dig a little deeper in the next couple months. Yeah, he's gotten me telling that story. But he's gotten me interested in crop circles way more than I ever used to. Yeah, be. Bob asked a question during the episode, and and he just stopped right in his tracks and was like. <laughs> The question you just asked is gets into this very specific esoteric realm that I don't have four hours to talk about. We're like, dude, what? Yeah, I didn't know there was like – there's like a whole curtain behind crop circles. Like everybody knows the crop circle, you know, uh, marquee sign. But inside that theater, unless you really go and research it – He's gone deep. All of the deeper layers to it where I was like – there's a lot more to crop circles than I ever knew, oh, but you yeah. got to want to know. So you got to keep asking questions and 
research it. And yeah. I just, I think maybe I'm like most people, I'm like, nobody really knows. They're cool designs, but. And they're doing high scientific research. If you go to ICCRA.org, yeah. that's Jeff and his group. Yeah. Like I said, they were, he was way into researching crop circles. Well, now he's back. focused on serpent mound, but it now it's. the next year. It's all coming back. Yeah. It echoed is what he said. So wow. the literal, like design the next season of crops after they had popped right back up but in a negative image like where the crops were laid down it popped up in a negative image of these beautiful giant purple flowers that where the crops laid down that was now growing up everything else around it was normal but in the spots that were laid down was this like amazingly beautiful purple yeah. flowers that were the reverse image yeah except for the and, spot that had and he had more photos water. of all that like you can see he's got it he's got receipts dude yeah. he's got real legit measurements science like they're measuring all sorts of frequencies and gravitational disturbances magnetic disturbances electrical whatever he can do to get a reading i mean they're taking radiation readings with geiger counter i mean he's done this for a long time so he like he is the serpent mound guy but he's also the crop Crop like he wears two of these all from michigan that's what really when jeff (laughs) mentioned that i was like ding yeah i know i I thought the same thing when he said that i was like are you talking about jeff wilson yeah i was like (laughs) totally different guy (laughs) that would have been too funny he's like you know jeff too weird yeah i wonder if those two knew each other hey well we'll have to ask him in the uh next iteration of jeff and stardust ranch what a fascinating story Probably going to be looking and into that. Folks, if you guys, Jeff's got an amazing breakdown, a part two. And what episode number was that? So folks oh. can find that, Jeff. Uh, I don't it's, want- uh, in in my, my third season, um, should be episode, uh, season three, episodes six and seven, I believe. Okay. There yeah. you go, folks. Awesome. Season three, episode six and seven, go to Strangeology. Uh, I think it's called the Saga of of Stardust Ranch. That's so, so cool. So go check that out. I haven't finished part two yet, but... I'm going to be putting it on today. Oh, my God. That's such an amazing <laughs> yeah, story. I'm going to put it on and do my work, put it on. Yeah, it's great. Um, Jeff, this has been awesome. Uh, it's been super fun chilling I with had you a blast. today. Yeah. <laughs> I had an absolute blast. Dave. Mine's, yeah, mine's blown again. This is this is ranks up there uh, as one of the dopest episodes we've done. Yeah, so. yeah. You've got you've got such a broad <laughs> knowledge base and just you know storytelling abilities and just a desire and passion for it that it makes yeah. it really easy to have a conversation about it because it's just like go Jeff. What what else do you got? I feel like I'm I feel bad. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like beating this pinata of cryptid <laughs> conspiracy stories. Like tell me more. But that's what I want because I don't have all that. So this is why yeah. I love this platform and it's so much fun having guests on and going. This is what I want. We're trying to get yeah. that content that we, you know, I yeah. can't get from shows anymore. I can't find them to do good episodes of it. So we've got to make our own. Right. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Jeff, any final words, anything you want to leave the audience with, um, whether it's, uh, you know, kind of reiterating where we can check out your stuff. But is there anything else that you want to leave us with before we head out? Well, uh <laughs> Thanks again for having me on today. Uh, you know, it's a it's a weird world out there, so keep your eyes and your ears open. And uh, if you want to find me online, strangeology.com. You can also find me on social media, strangeology. Just look for me. You'll find find the green logo. That's me. I'm everywhere, so you can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And guys, you know, Jeff does it all. He does podcast. He does research-based podcast episodes, but then also has guests, kind of like what we do, and and has you know other researchers and authors on. Um, you know, your short video format is kind of like the entry level of like getting into the strangeology universe on the TikToks, the Instagrams. Like, I just love your shorts and your TikToks and your your reels are just fantastic. The way that, uh, you know, you produce those as, as from us as video people, highly, highly respect what you're doing. Um, keep it up, dude. You're doing amazing stuff. And uh, I'm looking forward to connecting with you, maybe collaborating in the future on something. Um, if you're right open on. to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Thank you for the kind words and, and same to you guys as well. You know, you're, you're doing, you're doing the good work out here. <laughs> we appreciate Trying that. To. That means a lot coming from you and Jeff, don't go anywhere. We're going to come back and we're going to outro the show and we'll come back and give you a proper goodbye. Uh, but uh, Jeff from Strangeology, everybody. Wow. That was awesome. Such a great <laughs> Such episode. A content. Of, again, like how do you – I'm just going to have to sit here and think about all kinds of crazy stuff all day again. Well, we have a Strange Happenings episode tonight. Uh, we're going to be live streaming, which doesn't make sense because this is going to get this is released in the future. In the future. Right. We always do that. Yeah, about. it happens. <laughs> it's all right. But, uh, you know uh, – They'll get used to it. <laughs> But we're signing out. This has been a fantastic conversation. Uh, Mikey and Bub for Stoner and Disborough and Master Control. Uh, you guys can always find us again at The Strange Road on all platforms. Uh, share, like, subscribe. Uh, we appreciate yeah. it. You know, all the uh, all of our listeners and the folks watching in YouTube, you guys are the best. Keep it up. Uh, we want to hear from you, too. So hit yeah. us up in the Facebook group. Uh, the, we got Discord, uh, you know, uh, We've got uh, some things happening. You guys uh, are so patient and aw- and awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, unless I forgot anything. I'm good. Yeah, you good? I think I'm cool. good. Well, hey, we're out of here, guys. Have a great one. Later. Peace. <laughs>